Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. the seventh time in eight weeks we are enjoying another victory monday welcome into finsider radio my name is jake mendel joining me is my co-host josh houts and that makes this the jake and josh show josh what a what an interesting game we had in our hands yesterday and i think i the the, the best way to uh, kind of bite into this one is asking where did you get the nickname stone cold brian flores because what we saw from uh coach flores yesterday was one of the most uh, impressive gutsy wins, and he was ready to fist fight some people. So we got the whole Coach Flores experience yesterday. I don't know if it goes back to, you know, being a diehard wrestling fan as a kid and Stone Cold being this badass with a bald head and just walking around like he could beat the heck out of anyone. But that was the first, uh, you know, kind of impression I got of Brian Flores when he first was introduced as the head coach. Kind of went with that nickname, and I think we saw him full display yesterday. I mean, he said it, you know, these guys are my kids. You know, hit them once, okay, but twice. I mean, those were two dirty hits on Jakeem Grant. The team retaliated, and it was wrong, and I think Brian Flores admitted that. But, you know, we all saw him marching across the field, and he was ready to open up a can of whoop-ass on Zach Taylor and that entire Bengals team. (laughs) And I think we were all getting our popcorn ready and would have loved that scene. I mean, Brian Flores is certainly starting to get a lot of uh, Coach of the Year uh, hype around him. I mean, the team's 8-4. Uh, the team's looking great. I mean, he's juggled the Tua Fitzpatrick uh, situation to a T. And something I want to bring up, too, that uh, Brian Flores has done a lot. Obviously, I'm, I'm more focused on the Dolphins. I don't see a lot of other teams doing this. But he uses a lot of the timeouts for the defensive side of the football to get them into situations. And it happened early in the first quarter yesterday. Uh, at the 12.30 mark, uh, Eric Rowe goes out. He had a, was had to get checked for a concussion. Uh, third and three, the Dolphins have 12 men on the field. Uh, he calls a timeout. Instead, it's an incomplete pass uh, down the left sideline. Flores picks up on that. 
Um, and, and the Bengals are forced to punt early in the game. And that's just kind of one of those situations where I think I want to go back and look at how Flores uses timeouts because we're used to teams just kind of fumbling them, you know, at the end of a, a half. They're trying to go down and get a field goal. But, I mean, it seems like what Flores really does is have a really good sense of the game. Um, all the things a head coach really needs to do, he defends his players. Uh, he knows what's happening on each and every play. He knows how many players are out there. I mean, this is just the guy who's really coming together and, and building a an uh, incredible football team. And I think what I love most about Brian Flores is he just doesn't care. And, you know, he, he made that move from Fitzpatrick to Tua. Then, you know, he pulled Tua to give that team a little spark against Denver. And I think another thing that goes unlooked is just how much say he has in personnel decisions. And, you know, going out there and picking up some of these free agents and having them come in right away and play like he did in his rookie year. So I think it's just this entire thing, just everything that the Dolphins are building here. Again, they're 8-4. and four, You know, this is the first time since 2003. And it's just a much different team in Miami. And that that is a testament to Brian Flores. That's a testament to everything that he's done since he's been here. And that is why earlier in the year, you mentioned it first. You were one of the first people on it. Make Brian Flores coach of the year. We need to start those pins. We need to get the shirts ready because everyone, you know, you can look around the NFL. All those players saw Brian Flores did, and every single one of them would go to war with Brian Flores. That's the guy that should be coach of the year. I think if the Dolphins continue on their trajectory and they end up making the playoffs, I think, you know, he's right up there. And again, we're Dolphin homers, so why not? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the big point there, too. Josh, there are two things that really started to uh, develop in this game. I remember it was halfway through the second quarter, and I just remember looking at my phone thinking, this thing is taking forever. You know, I have the Dolphins up on one screen. I have the Red Zone channel up on the other. And the Dolphins were by far the slowest game. The penalties had a lot to do with that. But, I mean, there was a there was a little time there where I was legitimately concerned about this game. Um, the Dolphins, the, so many rookies had so much playing time, had so much to do with this game today. But I just kind of want to take us through that that Bengals drive. I want to start with the fight that happened where Tyler uh, Boyd and Xavier Howard were both ejected, uh, ejected from the game. It seemed like what the refs were trying to do is play safe. You know, we're not going to deal with any of this stuff. We're going to cut the head of this drama off now. Uh, by cutting or, or by kicking these two guys out of the game. Clearly, that wasn't the case. You know, we had uh, safeties on the Bengals stepping on some and Kinley's uh, legs, ankles. Uh, that did, never got picked up. But, uh, you know, the hits on Jakeem Grant. So it starts with the Bengals missing a field goal, Josh. And, and let's dive into this here. This was a game-changing, you know, two to three minutes. I tweeted out, like, this could be uh, a dramatic 31 minutes for the Dolphins. And, and, you know, I, I thought that was a little over the top when I first said it, but but think about what was happening at this game. Both Devontae Parker and Xavier Howard are kicked out of the game. Mac Hollins is kicked out of the game. And someone who I want to hear your thoughts, Lynn Bowden really stepped up for this team, especially in that first half. He caught four or four targets that came his way, had a strong run. So the Dolphins were really in a situation, it seemed like it was going to at least be 10 to nothing going to half. They do, or 10 to three, excuse me, they do a quick flip. Bengals miss a field goal. Dolphins put on three points to go into the half of the one-point game. Josh, what really happened in that second half, or second quarter, excuse me, that that really started to shake up this game? I think it's crazy when you sit there and say because I think we arguably lost, you know, our best defensive player and arguably our best mm -hmm. offensive player early in this game. And I think, to me, it was just something that was building up over time. And I don't know if people noticed it. You know, I think this happened over the course of this game, and it all started with that interception at Tua Tungvaloa through Obviously, I called back, but I saw Devontae Parker get absolutely annihilated on a blindside block. I believe someone said Matt Collins may have got hit as well. And then that fumble recovered for a touchdown that Tua Tungvaloa took a massive hit. I believe the defender led with his helmet there. So I think this was just one thing building up after another. And then those two hits on Jakeem Grant. I mean, you do it once, he led with his helmet. It, got there early, then to come back right again the next time and do it again. I mean, it was just building up, you know, throughout the game. And it, they just eventually 
boiled over like a teapot and you saw the Dolphins going out there and defending their family. And, you know, I think that's what's most exciting about this because, no, they were not right for, for what, the way they reacted. But you saw Jakeem Grant running up to Matt Collins and Devontae Parker and hugging them, you know, when they got ejected because they defended him. And, and that's just what you want to see. This is an entirely different mentality of a Dolphins team than we've seen over the last 20 years. And it's, it's freaking awesome. And, again, it's not right, but, yeah, we'd all go to war for Brian Flores. It certainly seemed like a game that that was uh, it, Dolphin teams of the past would start to swivel out of control. I thought, oh no, you know, we're falling apart against the Bengals again. I mean, it was third and ten. The the Bengals were driving at the Miami Dolphins twenty yard line. That is when you know the unnecessary roughness was called on Tyler Boyd. That's a fifteen yard penalty. Both him and Xavier Howard uh, were d- disqualified from the game. So that's all of a sudden you, you see that happen. You're getting concerned. Uh, you, you know Parker's not going to be playing. You know Matt Collins isn't going to be playing. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're going into the half at 10-3. to 3. Yes, you start with the ball, but this offense is really going to have to show something. But, you know, that, that, that changed on a dime for this team. You know, the, that penalty that I just mentioned, it made it a 53-yard field goal for uh, Cincinnati kicker Randy Bullock. He misses it. Tua connects with Lynn nine yards. Uh, and then a couple passes to Patrick Laird for 16 yards, enough time to spike it. And then Jason Sanders completely switched this game on its head with that 50 or 48 yard field goal, excuse me, to make that momentum really go on the Dolphins side going into the half. They respond out of the second half with that touchdown pass to Mike Jacecki. And Josh, I do want to ask you one thing because that was a very Ryan Fitzpatrick like throw. Uh, there's been a lot of talk from, you know, Dolphin fans, people who, you know, cover football for a living, that kind of stuff, about how, you know, you watch Fitzpatrick, you're learning a lot of things. That's kind of why they took him out in that Denver game, just because how Fitzpatrick could throw guys open. Um, Are you a little scared that we might have a little baby Fitzpatrick developing on our hands? We had the touchdown pass to Jacecki was great. There's one to Defonde Parker that just went soaring over him. I think one to Adam Sheehan too, but, you know, Tua's big strength is accuracy, but he really flashed some Ryan Fitzpatrick yesterday. For sure, and and knock on wood that you know he continues to to continue to get away with some of those mistakes that he makes because whether it's a pass interference or a holding, you know he should already have what three interceptions on the season, and mm-hmm. they've all been called back. So we'll knock on wood that he doesn't have those same turnover mistakes that Fitz Tragic does. But I think you're right. This way this offense opened up, and I didn't even talk about Lynn Bowden when you asked me the question earlier. But four four catches, 41 yards. He was much more involved, and you know he had to be. He stepped up. You love to see that, and you love to see just the way this offense opened up in that second half. They went up to that up tempo. Looked completely night and day. I think he went five of six for 66 yards and a touchdown on that drive. He's building chemistry with these guys. Nine of 11 targets for Mike Jasicki. He made nine catches, 88 yards in that touchdown. I mean, you're seeing him take those one-on-one chances to Devontae Parker that we see Fitzpatrick doing. You know, it, he always says, you know, he's learning from these things. And you have to wonder how much getting pulled against Denver and then just watching last week and then seeing him go out there and kind of, you know, you're right, execute this offense in a very similar way. A catch Mike Gesicki made. Uh, it, it was absolutely defense. incredible. Absolutely bonkers. And uh, I posted a comparison video to that Aronde Gatson catch from, you know, early, much probably before your time. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yes. yes. And I mean, it was just incredible. But you the offense has to do this and they have to play better. I mean, we still have those same issues in the red zone. I, I want to know your thoughts on Miles Gaskin, because for as much as we continue to say, you know, the Dolphins needed someone in this running back room or, you know, they have to they have to find someone next season. Miles Gaskin stepped up huge. Twenty one attempts, 90 yards on the ground. He had 51 yards, I believe, receiving. Awesome game. I mean, he, he did it all. He was great in pass protection. What were your thoughts on the Dolphins running backs? And how do you see it moving forward? You know, when Salvin Ahmed's healthy, when Matt is healthy. 
Something I thought was interesting when I was listening to the game broadcast uh, was that Miles Gaskin, they, they reminded us that he practiced all of last week, but it, you know, it was the Jets game. Uh, the Dolphins running back group did, did a solid job. So it kind of made you think that the way that the Dolphins handled this is they gave Miles Gaskin an extra week of rest, and it really seemed to be on display here. You mentioned over 100 yards from scrimmage, and it's the gash plays, Josh. The plays that the Dolphins have really struggled to get into the red zone with. You know, The Dolphins are bad in the red zone, but at the same time, they don't have a lot of red zone opportunities so that's where they're kicking a lot of field goals but Gaskin the the thing that stands out to me is the two receptions on two targets uh average 25 yards per one was for 35 yards on an incredible catch I and then uh he had a big run late in the game but uh there's a fumble there so we're not there quite yet but we have to really like what Gaskin is turning into I have to say though that first half offense I mean there were two drives that could have changed everything you look at the the incomplete pass deep to Jakeem Grant that would have Tua's numbers be looking even better than his 296 and one touchdown. And then, you know, running it three times instead of the 10-yard line with Miles Gaskin is a little frustrating when you see that the Dolphins' uh, tight end group has eight touchdowns on the year. The fact we've seen them time and time give up and do three runs inside the 10, you might just be playing it safe with Tua, but I mean, playing it safe is, is a situation where the Dolphins shouldn't be in right now. I mean, they have Tua out here to do it, to risk it for the biscuit, that type of thing, and really take those chances. So the three runs inside of the 10-yard line was a little frustrating, but I mean, two touchdowns there, whether it was a pass there and then uh, Jakeem Grant completion, this offense, I mean, is so close to being where we want it to be. You have to wonder what it's going to be like with a few more pieces added, but, but Josh, outside of that two from six I mean this offense was really really consistent especially in that second half they really were and I don't think there was anything more frustrating than that bomb I think it was about 55 yards on the absolute mm -hmm. rope it reminds you that Kenny Stills dropped against Seattle a few years back so you're right I think what's most exciting is just that there's you know a few pieces away from being truly special you know we're really not seeing that RPO as much as you know an offense probably should with Tua Tonvalu at the helm you know that's something that's going to develop over time and again the chemistry with these receivers so I think um, this offense is slowly starting to come together. I'd love to see more of that up-tempo, and you'd love to see more of getting Miles Gaskin involved because, again, he was absolutely awesome. Um, we talked about, you know, the skill positions, but I think we've got to focus on the offensive line. And, you know, some of that success, obviously, 21 carries, 90 yards for Gaskin. you got to credit the offensive line. You posted an awesome video uh, from our boy Solomon Kinley, and, you know, when he moved over to the left side, he just looked like a completely different animal, and you have him completely mm -hmm. washing someone out of the picture. So tell us what you saw with the offensive line. I think I posted a picture of Jesse Davis coming over from the right side, pancaking someone into oblivion. So <laughs> it, it, it's as crazy as it sounds, and it sounds like it's only a small ankle sprain. So, it, you know, it does sound like we will get Eric Flowers back. But this offense looked pretty – I mean, this offensive line looked pretty good with, you know, the switches made uh, in the heat of the moment. What were your thoughts? You know, and that's a play we didn't even talk about. You know, we mentioned the questionable hits by the Bengals. I mean, Eric Flowers getting rolled up on, that wasn't even near the, the play. I mean, that was a play that should not have happened either. Uh, it, I heard the same thing you did, a minor ankle sprain. Hopefully he will be back soon. But I mean... You gotta love what our man Solomon Kidley did out there. On his first play from scrimmage, not only did he completely wipe out a, a defender that was in front of him, but there were two guys uh, on the right side of the defensive line, or left side, excuse me, who were trying to engage from their blockers and turn upfield to try to uh, catch Lynn Bowden, who eventually got a, an 11-yard gain on the play. But there was 300-pound Solomon Kidley who set an incredible edge where these guys would have to work their way around him. They were completely taken out of the play. I mean, this guy has been an absolute treat out of the fourth round. It's 
just kind of mind-boggling. And you're you're kind of a little impressed when you see this offensive line. You have three w- rookies in there. You had Jesse Davis come out. Uh, you know, this was the first game he didn't start this season, but he walked right out uh, to take up that right guard spot. The team did not allow any sacks. Tua was only hit twice, and they did get that running game going. I mean, it's just a, a weird development we've seen from this team because in that second half, like I said, with, with Parker being out, three rookies on that offensive line and nobody to lean on, you had that ground game really step up and, and provide that safety net for Tua when Devontae Parker wasn't there to do that uh, duty. And it continues to go back to, you know, the Brian Flores mentality, next man up, and he, he, Jesse Davis. I mean, this is a guy who was just told he wasn't going to be starting, you know, and to just kind of anyone, human emotion, you know, you'd be a little bit upset, right? You'd be a little angry. You're on the bench, you get thrown into action, you go out there and you you look like a whole different person. I mean, it, it's crazy, you know, it's next man up, and to, to think that the offensive line may have, and I, I mean, it's crazy to say, but may have kind of improved a little bit there. I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's that's absolutely absurd. Um, we talked about the offense. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors, and we'll pick up on the defense after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So as we continue to say defense wins championships, that is what is ultimately going to carry the Miami Dolphins into hopefully the postseason. Another awesome performance, six sacks on the day, two interceptions. Xavier Howard got his eighth. Again, the NFL leading eighth interception. Get that man into the Pro Bowl. And Nick Needham again coming up big. So um, it just seems like every week, you know, this defense, again, is creating turnovers. That is the 18th straight game of the turnover. They almost had that touchdown that we prophesied in the last podcast. But, Jake, tell me what you saw from this defense because, yes, the Bengals, I think they get kind of attacked this defense a little bit differently than we might have expected. They didn't really rely on that run. They kind of let Brandon Allen go out there and throw the football in there for a little bit. You know, he was making some plays. We saw Tyler Boyd break off that big touchdown. But they just started – it looked like a completely different team after after the half, and they went out there, and they made good on what they've said, and, you know, they were the aggressors. So what did you see from the defense most mostly in the second half after that those halftime adjustments? Well, I mean, the Dolphins were one uh, minor glitch in communication away from pitching their second uh, shutout of the year, um, holding the Bengals with seven points. I mean, holding any team under 10 points is incredible in, in today's NFL. That Tyler Boyd touchdown, I believe it was 72 yards. That was a little miscommunication from uh, Noah Igbenogany. I believe it was out there after Xavier Howard had to leave the game. But I mean, Josh, this is a... Uh, you know, we talk about the Fitzpatrick and Tua debate, and, you know, th- the biggest argument about starting Tua now is this Miami Dolphins defense, because you think about his uh, style where the Dolphins aren't turning over the, the ball. I mean, the defense really tees off on opposing teams and allows the Dolphins offense to really figure itself out, Josh, because, I mean, you got to start with talking about Xavier Howard, obviously the league's best cornerback, his eighth interception of the year. This is his second streak this season where he had four straight games with interception. Nick Needham follows it up with an interception of his own this week. And this was a really a group that kind of just waited for the opportunity to tee up on the Bengals. Kyle Van Noy had a sneaky, very sneaky three sacks on the day. I believe a couple of them were actually when um, Kyle Allen was trying to uh, escape from the pocket and they tackled him right behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, the... We almost got that touchdown. You hit on that. But, I mean, the running game, they were really able to slow down Gio Bernard. And this, 
you know, you're kind of happy it's not Joe Mixon out there because you had you slowed down Gio Bernard, who had 12 carries, 30 yards. But Josh, I want to ask you about this. I mean, what are we seeing out of the running defense that is really allowing the Dolphins to, you know, put those Bengals in those frustrating uh, third down situations where someone like Xavier Howard or someone like Nick Needham can make uh, opponents pay? Uh, I think it comes back to Christian Wilkins being back in the lineup. And I tweeted out that thing. You know, it was a joke. He showed off his game day Power Ranger boxers and and jokingly said, you know, he doesn't he doesn't wash them during win streaks. But uh, Shaq Lawson met with the media later then, and he said straight up, you know, Christian is the reason why he gets us going. His energy and juice. I know I'm part of that too, but he's different having him back out there than before. The energy level is a lot different with that guy. So I think what Christian Wilkins does for this defense, you know, not only is that stout guy up front, and you got to credit that to Raekwon Davis too. You know, he's now in the lineup. We're seeing mm-hmm. more of Zach Sealer. I think that has a lot to do with why the defense is playing so well. But I think just what Christian Wilkins brings to the entire team from an energy standpoint, I don't think that we truly understand that. And again, I think a lot of people were down on Christian Wilkins heading into the year. A lot of people would have rather went other ways in the draft. But what he brings to this team, again, I don't think that we as outsiders truly see it. And in the run game, I mean, it's paid dividends over the last few weeks. And that's what you hope to see with a guy that you drafted pretty early in the first round. So I think it starts with Christian Wilkins and all those guys up front. But um, again, if they want to continue to have success and, and hopefully play well into January, you know, they have to improve on the run game. And it's going to be a tough test this week uh, against Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which we'll talk about in a later podcast. Yeah, Josh, I'm just going to throw it out there now. You're going to have to deal with the entire week of me trying to tell you that. I I, I think the Dolphins match up pretty well with the Chiefs, so be ready for that. But, I mean, I, I read something from the Bleacher Report this week about uh, Byron Jones being the, the worst move the Dolphins made this offseason with how well Xavier Howard is playing. Not only is that a, an incredibly, I think, silly thing to say because Byron Jones is continues to you know just shut down corners, but, Josh, how— how do people keep throwing at Xavier Howard? This guy is on an entirely different level. I mean, that interception he had going down the sideline, he was able to turn ahead, turn his head at the exact right time, track the ball, leap up, pull down that interception. I mean, this secondary has been such a treat. Eric Rowe went out for a little while. He was he was in concussion protocol. Uh, by, uh, Brandon Jones, who's actually still been playing a lot as is, I thought he did a great job filling in. I mean, this secondary, man, this is where the, the, the dreams become reality for the, the standard of this Dolphins defense. It, it really is. It's what we kind of talked about, you know, all offseason long is they didn't bring in that splashy those guys up front to attack the pass rusher. They allowed those that secondary to, to latch down and let things develop. Um, for me, I, I just don't understand. You're right. Why do they keep throwing to Xavier Howard? But that's a testament to Byron Jones. You know, a quarterback looks over there and sees him in blanket coverage, and he doesn't get those interceptions. You know, he doesn't make those plays on the football that Xavier Howard does, but he also doesn't get those opportunities. You know, you can watch a film going back to Dallas when he moved to corner. He doesn't get targeted that often, and there's a reason for that. So when you look over mm-hmm. there and he's shutting down one receiver, you're going to take that chance on X101, and, you know, that, that's been a mistake, and it's going to continue to be a mistake for many quarterbacks moving forward. I, I just can't believe nobody tries it on Byron Jones, and, and they keep targeting Xavier Howard this much. It, it, it's pretty crazy to think about. But, Josh, after that touchdown in the first quarter from the Bengals, I mean, they really, really could not get anything going. We mentioned the missed field goal near the end of the half. But, I mean, this this group, there's nothing really we can ask more. This wasn't a huge challenge for the team, but it's still nice to see them step up. I mentioned it. Holding any team under 10 points is always something great to see. Next week, man, with the Chiefs, it's going to be tough, but I'm so excited for that matchup because this defense is, you know, this is the game you want to play. You want to play against the best opponents and see how you stack up. Um, I, I think I owe you a formal apology, Josh, for tweeting out the Jets one and making that game turn into a complete disaster for us. Because, I mean, that would have been great, too. The Jets get out of the Lawrence running or that becomes a little dicey and they lose to and the Raiders lose but uh that that fell apart 
It did, and I, I admittedly wasn't truly watching, but then I saw the play later, and it's like, oh, my God. And, and Mike Greenberg, you know, the guy that wanted to have the Dolphins, like, right, relegated out of the league is a Jets fan watching them just go out there and completely tank away. And he hoped the Dolphins had it moving up in their playoff position. So this Chiefs game, man, it's it's going to be fun because, I mean, we hope the Dolphins are eventually, you know, playing into the postseason AFC championship contenders. You're going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes for how many years to get to the Super Bowl, you know? So uh, tough task ahead, but it's going to be freaking awesome to watch Patrick Mahomes and, you know, Tua Tonvalo, hopefully two of the elite quarterbacks, you know, moving forward in the NFL. You know, and we really get to see Brian Flores take a week and try to break down this Chiefs defense. I mean, he did it against the Rams, and this is another great opportunity for him to keep putting feathers in that Coach of the Year conversation uh, hat. I mean, Josh, uh, this this was a gutsy performance by the Dolphins just to kind of finish things up here. I mean, there, like I said, at the end of that first half there, I really thought this was going to be a Bengals team that uh, might be a little frustrated with how the season has developed. They said, you know, a lot of their players said they're better than their record is, and then you have the Dolphins. Dolphins here with their rookie quarterback at eight and three or seven and four at the time, excuse me, now eight and four. Uh, maybe a team that was a little feisty, a little had a little too much attitude because of the situation they're in. But the Dolphins, I mean, gutsy performance from a team that plays a lot of rookies, a lot of players, uh, excuse me, plays a lot of rookies, plays a lot of second year players. I mean, they, they did not back down from any fight yesterday. They didn't. They're not going to moving forward. It's funny we talked about the Jets because I just got a notification that they fired Greg Williams after, you know, giving up that long wow. play at the end of the game. So, uh, you know, justice was served there. But, hey, again, the Dolphins, they're a gritty team. They're, they're finding ways to overcome adversity and win close games, you know, whether it be defense, whether it be the offense. Uh, it's exciting times to be a Dolphins fan, and they got a hell of a matchup next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. For the Jake and Josh Show here on SB Nation's Finsider Radio, I'm Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. My co-host is Jake Mendel. Follow him at, at J-M-E-N-D-E-L 94 for the Finsider Radio podcast. I'm Josh Houts. We'll talk to you next time. Hands up. Hands up, baby. Let's all cook. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami.